Vote back. early, vote often. Back to Stampland. Back to Stampland. Yeah, you, you listen. Oh, I guess. Why? You Am listen, I here? You listen to the remote, uh, to the intro. Why? Right? Oh, yeah. you haven't heard the intro yet. Oh, oh yeah, you got to hear the intro. Oh, you got to hear it. Oh, yeah. And then when it's playing, you got to be quiet. Uh huh. I, I worked hard on this intro. He did. Yeah. And I'm going to change it one of these days. Oh, it'll get changed. <laughs> I'm going to change it again. Are you now? Yep. Shall we start? I think we should. I'll count it down. Go for it. Thank you. Five, four, three, two, one. Hi, this is Stamp Show Steve, and you are listening to Stamp Show here today. Look at them, madam. Have you ever in your entire life seen anything so beautiful? I'm sorry, I don't know anything about stamps. Oh. This is the gentle art of philately, otherwise known as stamp collecting. Here's a pile of stamps carefully culled from swap meets and garage sales. Rufus, what are you thinking of? Oh, I was just thinking of all the years I've wasted collecting stamps. Oh, like stamp collecting. Now, that's all right. That's quite a nice hobby, that. Yes, but it's not enough. Don't you understand? I'm lonely. I'm so terribly lonely. All right, Homer. You beat those stamp Nazis with good old-fashioned American complaining. Homer, if it weren't for you, we'd be at the mercy of weekend philatelists. You know, why didn't you just say stamp collectors? Because I'm tired of dumbing myself down for you. I, I mean, I have to say, when I, when I heard that like, people actually watch this show, I was, I was actually pretty surprised. I'm Ernest Borgnine. I collect stamps. From Spain and two from Japan. I got a couple from Israel and Azerbaijan. I got a plenty from Poland, but none from Sudan or from Fiji or Uzbekistan. Stamp collecting happens when we dream together. The Simpsons. The Simpsons. The Simpsons. Guy, family guy. Yep. Okay. <clears throat> All right. Want to count down again? No, just go for it. Welcome to Stamp Show here today, episode number 99. I'm Cash, and my computer just died. Send e-flowers, please. <laughs> I'm Scott. This is Tom. And I'm your host, Dawn. And joining us is our friend, Stamp Show Steve. Hey! hey. hey. Our next episode is episode 100. Mm-hmm. And this week, we'll be discussing Hoover and his airplane that landed at some address in Zululand. Land, no, wait, that, that's two topics. <laughs> On this <Yes>! date. <laughs> <laughs> On this day in history, in 1944, Franklin Delano Roosevelt is elected for a record fourth term as president of the United States. One of the most famous stamp collectors ever, FDR didn't live out his term. He was succeeded by Harry S. Trumer. Trumer? <laughs> That's a new one. Well, he had a TV show called The Truman Show, wasn't it? No, no, no. Okay. I oh, got... did you? Uh, Harry S. Truman. Here's a trivia fact. What does the S stand for? Yeah, I need to Nothing. redo that. Nothing. Ah, oh, you knew. Cash, I need to redo that because I totally bleh. You did fine. Keep going. I don't have anything else to Run with it. That which doesn't kill you makes you stronger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something like that. Listener emails. So we get emails at Stamp Show here today. So summon the answer squad. 
And we got nothing. I feel so lonely. Nobody sent us anything. Cash, you didn't even make anything up this time? Nothing. <laughs> I never make anything up. I kind of take it from last week or the week before, but I don't even have anything from last week to well, move into this week. I have a question for you then. Oh, okay. Where can we see you? Any stamp shows coming up? Oh, well, it just so happens that if you're listening to this right now, I'm probably on my way to San Jose to Stamp Fiesta in San Jose, California. I thought that was Philatelic Fiesta. Oh, Philatelic Fiesta. Uh, and You're uh, dumbing yourself down again. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Unless you're asleep, it's Philatelic Siesta. Philatelic Siesta. <laughs> Anyway, that's in San Jose somewhere. I'm going to be there with uh, Ray Martin. And uh, anybody who stops by, we have a PSE swag to give away now. And then the weekend after that, we have more PSE swag to give away at Chicago. And I'm going to be there with uh, Scott. Me and Scott are going to be in Chicago. Is that Chicago Packs? Chicago Packs. That is Chicago Packs. Yes. Yes! Thank you, Scott, for the um, verbal email there. Do I get anything on the 19th or 20th? Well, of course. Oh, hey, of course you're, you're you here. Do. Why don't you go ahead? Plug all your shows. Tell Plug everybody shows. about all of them. Well, on November 19th is the Five Star Glendale Stamp Show held at the YWCA Complex at 735 East Lexington in Glendale, which is right near the 134 freeway just off of Glendale Avenue across the street from Whole Foods Company. This is always free admission, parking free behind the building, and we're there from 9.30 till 4 o'clock. And it's the five-star. Don't get it confused with the four-star. Oh, no, it's a five-star general show. Okay. And then on Sunday in Anaheim, directly across the street from uh, Disneyland, is... That. Disneyland? Disneyland. <laughs> Directly across the street from Disneyland at Disney Way and Harbor Boulevard is the Quality Sunday Stamp Show held at 1700 North Harbor at the Anaheim Plaza Hotel. Again, open from 930 till 4 o'clock. And there's over 20 dealers there. Always these shows are free admission and free parking. So come on down, bring your stamps to buy and sell. And we hope to see you there. And if I can add something... The, the Anaheim Stamp Show is truly one of the best stamp shows around. Mm-hmm. It really is. Well, and then in January, we have Orco Expo, which is truly one of the largest shows in the country, which is January 13th through 15th at the Hotel Fullerton, which is 1500 Raymond Drive, right along the 91 freeway. And that's one of the largest events that you can participate for the year. Three-day show, again, free admission, plenty of parking. PSE will be there. And we will have free lunches all three days for the public as well. So come on down. I think I will. I'll I'll be hungry on that day. (laughs) Spaghetti and beef stroganoff. I'll (laughs) plan on it then. (laughs) Excellent. So it sounds like we have some good shows coming up. Yeah, a question though is usually you book that at, or you sell that as the first stamp show of the year. Is it the first stamp show this year? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Because so the first stamp show of 2017 will be Orco Expo. January 13 through 15 at the Hotel Fullerton. Yep. Excellent. 
Now it's time for the Stamp Show Here Today Museum Contribution. If you have a stamp and a story to contribute, email us and you can tell your story on the podcast. Our museum contribution for this podcast is a P-51 Mustang stamp. Fun fact, the Ford Mustang was named for the P-51 Mustang. One of my favorite cars. <laughs> I love my Mustang. Yeah, I actually thought that the Mustang was uh, named after the horse, and I was uh, corrected. By me. <laughs> <laughs> Are you referring to the plane or to the car? Uh, see all of the above. See all of the above. Mm. Mm-hmm. I did not know the car was named after the plane. Mm-hmm. Was the plane named after the horse? Okay, we haven't gotten that far yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, unless you find another... Sorry to jump ahead. <laughs> unless you find another Mustang, I'm going to guess yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, Cash, I look forward to next week when you verify that in the Cash's Corrections. Oh, okay, that's fair enough. So, Don, you have something to say about a famous pilot, which is why this P-51, other than the name Mustang and the car, uh, there's a big tie here for Mr. Hoover, who I think uh, was also the head of the FBI? No. Definitely an um, aviation pioneer ah. um, and pilot of P-51 Mustangs, Bob Hoover. Now, Bob Hoover... He was a pilot. He uh, um, is. Oh, uh, shit, let me try this again. This isn't scripted. This is all just mm. cut and paste, so we have to. Yeah. Do. There's going to be a lot of editing here. Hmm. Bob? It, it would be done if I had a computer. Yes, we know. Send your <laughs> contributions to PSE Newport <laughs> Beach. <laughs> <laughs> Send Good flowers to my computer. <laughs> okay, so. Let me tell you about Bob Hoover. Bob Hoover, a pilot who escaped Nazi captivity in a stolen plane, tested supersonic aircraft with his friend Chuck Yeager, barnstormed the world as a breathtaking stunt performer, and became, by white consensus, an American aviation legend. Passed away last month um, in Los Angeles at age 94. Chuck Yeager, perhaps the most famous test pilot of his generation, was humbled by Mr. Hoover, describing him in a foreword to Mr. Hoover's 1996 autobiography, Forever Flying, as the greatest pilot I ever saw. And the World War II hero Jimmy Doolittle, aviation pioneer of an earlier generation, called Mr. Hoover the greatest stick and rudder man that ever lived. (laughs) Well, that's pretty high praise. Mm -hmm. Stick and rudder man. Mm -hmm. Okay. (laughs) It's going back to, like, the Sopwith Camel. Mm-hmm. It, it just sounds kind of, hi, I'm the greatest stick and rudder man that's ever lived. Mm-hmm. I mean, now, he could trace his history, okay, to the dawn of the space age. He knew Orville Wright and Charles Lindbergh, General Doolittle, Eddie Rickenbacker, Wally Shearer, Neil Armstrong, you know, Jaeger, and Colonel Gagarin. Oh! He w- knew... Everybody. I was wondering if you were going to mention any Russians there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sounds like a awesome guy to have a conversation mm-hmm. with. He was. I I know someone who knew him very well. Sad to hear of his passing. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, I heard um, 
uh, secondhand about his escape from him, oh, the POW camp. This is like the coolest story. Tell it that is, story. It is a like very the eagles cool. have landed or something. Mm-hmm. No, no, this is cool. This mm-hmm. is. Um, he was at a POW camp. Okay, now he's an American flyer, and you know there are other flyers there, and. Um, yeah, they're pretty social. Yeah, this is World War II. You know, the pilots were kind of like the, you know, the gods. You know, they were pretty awesome guys. Bob was talking to um, one of the guys. You know, uh, they had uh, one of the German planes was there at the camp. And he was like, well, you know, I'm really interested in, you know, what, what about this plane? And the guy goes, you want to look at it? Yeah, sure, I want to look at it. So how does this work? And he's just kind of playing really dumb. And he goes, you mind if I get in and just take a look? Got in the plane, started up, flew out of the camp. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, uh, uh, stumped him. Oh, and it gets better because he flies out of there. He flies into Holland. Now, mind you, he's in a German plane. <laughs> he's trying to ha- land in Holland, and they're just like they're ready to just take him captive. You know, as soon as he hits the ground. So what happened there? Did any? It was kind of. I guess he went in there. I'm an American, and he was okay. Harrison Ford, you know, it's totally the, um, I'm pulling a total brain fade. Mm. Um, uh, Cash's brain is with his computer. Yeah, no kidding. My <laughs> computer died and so did my brain. Uh, what's the stupid movie that uh, he finds the uh, Ark? Uh, Raiders, Raiders, Raiders of the, of the Lost, Lost Ark. <laughs> <laughs> like I did said, enough people say that? Did you get it? Yeah, I got uh. it. So anyway, continue on with Mr. Hoover. When did he start the FBI? Oh, that was the Hoover FBI? Wrong no. guy. Wrong guy. Or the of the vacuum? No. Oh yeah, the Hoover vacuum. Well, I thought I thought I heard he was a co-inventor of the tube sock also. Oh. <laughs> I missed this one. Got it before I did. <laughs> A top scratching his head. <laughs> well, okay, this I week. missed out last week, I guess. Yes, Tom, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> you got zonked. You did. That's okay, off price have, right. I do have one off script story about him, personal story. My ex father in law, who knew him. Um, was the vice president for uh, North American Rockwell. So, busy man. The only person allowed to ever walk into his office unannounced was Bob Hoover. Oh. And when he did, it was generally, hey, Joe, that's my father-in-law, hey, Joe, let's go have lunch. They go take off in, you know, uh, the P-51. He had, yes. Mm-hmm. Or they, you know, whatever plane he was riding in that day, and they'd go to Avalon or just, you know, wherever and just go and have lunch. Oh, that's neat. I know. How cool is that? Mm. And he took my um, my ex-husband up in the P-51. So is that why the P-51 is going into the Stamp Museum? It is going to the Stamp Museum because, I mean, this guy, so many people have never heard of him. This is like one of the most fascinating people I've ever heard about. Mm. I've, I had pictures of him in my house back in the day, actually. Oh. with Another quiet giant. Yeah. I had the um, pictures of the P-51 and pictures of him. My father-in-law, my ex-husband. So I knew, I've I've heard stories Shut about down by him. P fifty one. No, I've heard stories about him for so many years. So when I found about him passing away, I just was very sad. Well, what color was his P fifty one? It was yellow. And it was called. I forgot. Old Yeller. Old. Fine. Yeah, Old Yeller. The P fifty yellow P fifty one. It was a famous airplane. Hmm. Okay, I'm going to continue on with my tribute here. Okay, go ahead. 
serious again. Mm-hmm. Okay, he was one of the most honored pilots in American history. His military awards alone include the Distinguished Flying Cross, the Soldiers, Soldiers Medal of Valor, the Air Medal with Clusters, the Purple Heart, the French Croix de Guerre. In 2007, he received the National Air and Space Museum Trophy. Yeah, I mean, it's all kinds of awards. Wait, wait, there's one story that is, just, and I think it was back. It was he was 90 years old, and someone was flying a P-51 and was having trouble, I think, with the landing gear. So the pilot calls in with the issue. They contact Bob, get him on the line, talk the guy down, and <laughs> talked him down safely at age 90. Pretty cool. The guy was pretty awesome. Definitely, definitely someone I think needs to be on a stamp. He is definitely stamp worthy. Submit him. Submit him. Hashtag stamp worthy. <laughs> has Chuck Yeager been on a stamp? He, he I know his airplane uh, has, his airplane but has, has he? Sounds like we should take up a stamp uh, recommendation committee here. Yeah. Well, we have. We have. We have. Mm-hmm. Get with the program, dude. Listen to the podcast. Yeah. Kaz recommended zombies. They didn't take that idea very well. No, they did not. No, yeah. they did not. However, they would sell very well. Hashtag mm-hmm. zombies right? on stamps. Have tube socks ever been on stamps? Oh, God. I'm kind of curious there. I should do a search. I'm sure stamps have been on tube socks. Yeah. <laughs> no, only, yes! only on Kaepernick. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that took a second, didn't it? It was like a three second. Oh, I get it. That stand down? Oh, no. I'm wrong. Okay, how about we move along and we go on to Cash's Corrections. I only have one item, and it's really just an update. My monthly Y2K crisis update, uh, no change. That's BS. Your computer died today. That, oh. <laughs> Ooh, you think maybe that's Y2K related? Yes. Y2 dead. Uh, I, I think I have some paperwork to do here. Well, that computer precedes Y2K, doesn't it? So I'm sure it was affected. <laughs> Break yeah. out the three by five cards. That's mm-hmm. it. Okay, Y2K update. It killed my computer. Send flowers. <laughs> oh my God, who the hell cares? On the phone with us, we have George Holshauer. George, tell us about yourself. Well, good afternoon, folks. My name is George Holshauer, and I've, for many years, been the owner of Colonial Stamp Company here in Los Angeles, California, and we are sort of principal rare British colony dealers. And uh, well, we spent many years helping clients all over the world build interesting private collections. that We maintain a, the nation's largest stock of old British colonial stamps for want list work. Uh, best, best of all, my clients <laughs> love the fact that we set the whole stock up, all 50 volumes of single stamps. So I'm in a wonderful position to cure a perennial problem with collectors called broken setitis. And uh, <laughs> anybody who doesn't know what uh, who George is, if you've ever seen a guy smoking a pipe on any stamp advertisement, there's probably like a 95% chance this is it, right? Right, absolutely. There. <laughs> Scott and Gibbons. <laughs> absolutely. So, George, last week we were talking about colonies, and you said you're a British colonies dealer. Sure. Tell us a little bit more about the colonial system, and why did you choose that to specialize in? 
Well, like everyone else, uh, we all start with a little general stamp album. My father was a lifelong stamp collector and introduced me to the subject in the early 50s. And uh, it, it, I took to it like a duck to water and uh, collected many stamps of the world for many years. And then I decided that the world was too big to attack. And then I decided that the British Empire was too big to attack. So I focused on what I considered to be the most interesting aspect of the whole British Empire, and that's the stamps of British Africa. Oh. And oh. Uh, we have built for the company a, a remarkable reference collection of stamp shades, watermark varieties, and things over the last 50 or 60 years in order to help us work with our clients in classifying things, because often a, a collector is dealing in a vacuum, has doesn't have as much reference material, comparative things as he needs to make the, some of the decisions that he that he needs to in sorting his material out. So we've built and built and built and built and built a wonderful reference collection to help us sort our stuff so that our clients get what they were supposed to get in the first place. and. Occasionally, some clients have a knotty problem about this, that, or something else, and uh, the regular clients are, are, are have access to our reference material by phone, telephone, writing, emails, faxes, and whatever. And we try to we try as much as possible to help our clients sort out what they're trying to do. Having a multi-million dollar reference collection is a big help along those lines. That's understandable. So over the over the years, uh, I focused on uh, the company's focused ostensibly on on stamps, mint, news of the British Empire, but particularly for the first three reigns, Victoria, Edward, and King George V, and other words, the material up to 1935. Given that most general collectors don't have a lot of problem buying a 1952-pound set of Southern Rhodesia, Queen Elizabeth, or, or working their way back into King George VI, most of the mint sets are available one way or another. Uh, everybody runs into severe problems as soon as they get back to the Silver Jubilee and, and, and previous, where the stuff, some of it's too expensive to buy as sets. They have to build it up a little bit at a time. And the general availability of material thins out in the normal stocks of the of the show circuit thins out drastically before 1935 so i put all the emphasis on the company on the first three reigns because i said this based on my experience is going to be where most of my clients have a lot of problems on top of which when i don't know how it was for you folks but i remember when i was a general collector it was hell on wheels to get a stamp dealer to break a $500 set to give me three stamps out of the middle of it. <laughs> and even though I was a yeah, good customer, I think that's still the case. To pay what was asked of me. Yeah. Right. So I decided I'm going to I'm going to maintain the entire stock of singles. So if someone wants a set of 10, I can pull 10 stamps out and they've got a set. But if they need the high value, the low value, or three in the middle, they will never again hear from me. I won't break the set because it's just a company policy that we work for the clients. They do not work for us. And that's a service that they have absolutely adored well. to the point where I'm, I'm busy. I was here all day Saturday working on an order. I was here all, all, all day Sunday as well. If you build a better mousetrap, eventually a lot of mice find their way to your doorstep. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess so. You've been in business for 50 year plus years. Absolutely. So. So I, I guess that uh, mousetrap's been working for you, George. You said you special uh, you focused more on British Africa. Do you have any favorite countries? I've always had a thing for Zanzibar, and uh, the more interesting and arcane the subject, the more it appeals to me because it, it's intriguing and difficult to 
to work with. And the harder it is, the more interesting it is for me. Such things as typewritten Uganda missionary stamps, or the lar wonderful large concert mail stamps of Madagascar, or the Indian overprints of, of Zanzibar is a fascinating field. Uh, New Republic, the old Dutch colony, presents an interesting challenge because of all the dates and stuff, and it's 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 hard to find decent stocks of that material because it is it is <laughs> it is hard to deal with. But that's why I deal with it because I want to have a place where people can go to find the things that everybody else said I can't do. Well. So <laughs> I keep figuring that clients stay up nights trying to concoct lists like want lists I can't possibly <laughs> fill. But I enjoy doing it, and uh, it, it, it's great good fun. I enjoy helping the clients build their collection. And the bigger the collection and the more sophisticated the want list, the more appealing it is to me. Uh, well, I would like to say that one of my top ten movies of all time was the movie Zulu with Michael Caine in it. Oh, absolutely. And oh, I've always loved... Picture back. That's the first film I, I remember seeing him in. Yeah. <laughs> it was his first movie ever. And uh, so I would really like to hear about the stamps of Zululand. Well, Zululand is kind of a fun place. Uh, there, it, it, is, it is completable by anybody who wants to tackle it because there are only 24 stamps, only one of which is worth more than $1,000 and all the rest are considerably cheaper to a matter of a few hundred dollars, uh, worst-case scenario. But one of the things I like about Zululand is it is the last colony in Africa. And uh, I've always liked it. I've always, I've always built great reference. We've got a wonderful reference lot of all the shades, types, and, and overprint errors and varieties and things. It's a fun place because there's only 24 stamps. So it actually is completable by anybody who wants to play with it. Um, given that I ha have enjoyed working with British Africa in particular, though we work with the entire empire, um, I found that that uh, I decided that the last stamp of the last colony in the British Empire being a Zululand, and the last stamp of Zululand is the Queen Victoria key plate, five-pound denomination. That's the best stamp, it's the best major stamp in the country, uh, and it's the last stamp of the last set of that of that area. And I thought it would be very interesting to see what kind of a specialized collection I could build specifically relating to everything that relates to the existence of the five-pound and this I've played around with for many, for many decades. Uh, I've got the original uh, uh, specimen strip of five and mint copies and used copies. And interesting enough, the high value, the 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 five pound of Zululand was used almost exclusively at the capital, was which is Ishawi. Mm -hmm. There are three different types of cancellations uh, having to uh, of Ishawi. It's a double ring cancel. It has either either a, a an A, a P, or no uh, code in the cancel. I would say that better than 99% of the pound and the two-pound Zululand were used out of Ishawi. To find those two stamps in particular used anywhere else in Zululand is a monumental task. I've managed to acquire three different towns, the five pounds, uh, the five-pound used with three different cancels, Malmouth, and uh, two others, uh, two of which are the only known examples of the stamp used other than Ishawi. 
So it's a fun little place. It's collectible. Uh, virtually everybody can afford to put it together with a little effort. And it represents the last bastion of the British Empire. Well, the five the Fiverr stamp that you said, were those also used for revenues, or is that something that didn't occur uh, the, in this area? The five pound was definitely used for fiscal purposes. Um they're fairly obvious. There's a there's a range of different different fiscal cancellations that can be found on the five. In fact, last year I bought a five pound in a block of four used with one of the magistrate uh, fiscal cancel. Very lovely, lovely piece. I was very pleased to 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 acquire it. And I'm still studying the issue even after all these years, trying to see. There's no written record to tell us where the stamp was used. The only way you can determine that is by actually going out and spending decades and hunting for when you find one used somewhere other than a shower you know you've stumbled into something quite interesting and wildly unusual hmm. you know something we've never covered <laughs> on here is fiscal cancels on british stamps have we ever talked about that mm -mm. i uh, don't know that we have um why, why don't I you mean, give it a shot everything wasn't used fiscally but but uh, certainly the five pound was i have four or five different cancellations that are definitely fiscal usages and they make, a, they make a somewhat inexpensive space filler for an otherwise relatively expensive stamp. In fact, it's very funny that you should talk about Zooland today. I just unpacked a package that came in from overseas, and in there is a lovely used copy of the five-pound canceled in the Shawi. It's a stamp I love to buy because everybody needs it to complete the country, and I can never have too many of those in stock because people tend to like them. Well, they also so tend to need today. them. In fact, <laughs> yeah. I, unpacked a, I also unpacked a small post-cancellation uh, study, which is interesting, too, because there, there aren't all that many towns in Zululand, but some of them are, are many of them are easy, some of them are scarce, some are very scarce, and there's one town, which I've, I have yet, I, I've never been able to find an example of the postmark, and I've been looking for many, many years. Well, we I have saw a there was one in the sale in South Africa, and I bid a preposterous amount of money on it, and I lost it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> which which, which uh, did not endear me. <laughs> I was not thrilled, <laughs> especially since I trashed the estimate by about ten times. <laughs> so let's put it this way. If you're going to be a collector, one of the nice things to do is to, it's great to have patience because that's really what it takes. Uh, there's a lot of things that people can capture relatively easy, either on the Internet or from dealers or from auction houses or wherever they, they tend to, to look. And then there's things that turn out to be much much more difficult than they, than they appear. And that is largely a factor that, uh, uh, that relates to stamp catalogs, be it Gibbons or Scott, which are both fine catalogs in their own right. But the fact of the matter is that most of the editors of these catalogs, uh, lofty folks that they are, have not have never collected Zululand, have never collected these countries, and never spent 20, 30, 40 years chasing this stuff ad nauseum before they realize that there's a problem with the price in the catalog. It's not the, it's not the percentage of catalog. Percentages of catalog are fine so long as the stamp is more or less readily available. Of all the stamps of Zululand, I, I give a discount on every single stamp in the colony, major used except the five pound, because that's something everybody wants and everybody needs, and you can never have too many of them. 
Interesting. Uh, it's important to realize, it's important to separate for a collector, and it doesn't matter whether it's Zululand or we're talking about uh, Interotter Tuvalu, which doesn't exist. The, the key factor in building collections, aside from patience, is an understanding of, I'm looking for number 12 of country X. I've collected the country three years, five years, ten years. How many of these have I found? Have I not seen one in 10 years? Well, now that starts, then you start to wonder, well, no, wait a minute. I've been looking for it. I can afford stamps $200. I can afford to buy it any day I want. Except in the last 10 years, I haven't found anybody who was able to offer me the stamp. Suddenly you say, yes, no, wait a minute. There's a problem with the under, there's a problem with the underlying understanding of the construction of the price. Because the price is not reflecting the fact that it doesn't come up uh, nearly often enough for people to find it. And uh, my sales resistance for things for the reference collection has gone to hell in a basket many years ago because I've chased this up long enough to realize that there's a problem. Uh, there was a, there was just a sale in, in Europe. I just participated. I, I bought some wonderful material. But uh, I paid three, five, three, four, five, ten times meal, which is higher than it's got to begin with for some very, very difficult things that just don't show up. And after a while, you have to say, I can earn the money faster than I can find the material. And here's the material, so you have to you have to stand up and be counted. And that's, so the first thing that goes out the window of the catalog, and then the estimates, and then you say, now based on my experience, how do I feel about this after many, many years of collecting whatever country the folks listening in like to collect? It's very important to separate the wheat from the chaff, no matter what the name of the country, because they all have something in common. They've got 5% that never seem to show up. And many, there are many cases of many of these countries where 100 and 200 and $5,000 stamps show up over and over and over again. They're expensive, they're rare, they're desirable, people like to buy them. What about the $200 stamp you haven't seen in 10 years? Those stamps sound like the Zeppelin sets for the U.S., they are frequently offered in multiple copies in just about any auction catalog you care to pull out. Sure. And yet they're priced, they're, they're actually very pricey in the catalog. And so it seems to me that the availability doesn't agree with the price that's being asked. Yeah, a $5 Colombian is a $5 Colombian is a $5 Colombian. But a five-pound Zululand three fifteen with a genuine cancel is in a completely different world. Absolutely, it's a hundred times rarer than any imaginable five-dollar Colombian. Absolutely, but the catalog doesn't reflect that. I looked ten or fifteen years for an in-period used pair of three fifteen, and I can count on the fingers of my hand in the last twenty years. And I'm in the marketplace every day. I can count on the num. I can count on the fingers of one hand the number of acceptable used pairs of three fifteen. There's I've one seen coming in up in a single sale next week. Not enough to talk about. Or let's find out how many copies were submitted for certificates. Tells you something interesting. Oh, absolutely. The numbers is tiny. Absolutely, most of the copies I see are mid. I mean, I, I've never no. seen it, but I'm without seeing the numbers. I'm prepared to say the numbers tiny. No, I will not disagree with you. So uh, it's 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 
part of the art of being a collector and learning about it is to understand the material or to try and learn about it. And there, your favorite dealers can be of enormous help to you because, as I've said before, I am coming back from the place you are trying to go to. I've spent 50 years playing with this and playing very hard, very, very determinedly. Oh yeah, so I, the observations the observations are are really interesting because the guy spent fifty years forming those opinions. They were not formed. Uh, they were not formed uh, uh, lightly. So, and, and uh, yeah, I find it. I find the whole thing. I mean, flatly, is fascinating. It's a, it's a wonderful thing. It's keeping us all out of the pool halls, and and, and and we're having a good time doing it. The problem I find is finding sources that can actually. Forget the price. I, I'm having I have great difficulty finding people who can supply the stuff that I wish to buy, that I'm prepared to buy. Well, George, uh, for our listeners, give them a tidbit. G- give them a stamp that's a relatively inexpensive stamp that they could look for that's actually really underpriced in Scotts. It's really hard to find. <laughs> oh, you'll love this. Okay, tip of the day. And I want to hear from all the listeners that either have it and or can't find it. Uh, Kenya, Uganda, and Tanganyika in Scott and in Gibbons. The first set uh, uh, issued in 1921 is our is, stamps of East Africa and Uganda with King George V. The The set, uh, the original set from East Africa and Uganda is watermarked Crown Crown and CA, multiple Crown CA. The first set of Kenyan, Scott number five, is a 12 cent gray. It's watermarked watermarked Crown script CA. The stamp currently lists, hang on for one second here. Somewhere around a hundred dollars, I guess, something like that. One second. Uh, I think I put my glasses on. Uh, yeah, this is the tip of the day. I'll be very interested to hear from anybody who actually has one. <laughs> well, they'll have it, but it'll so be the wrong watermark. It is. It is meaner than a junkyard dog. It is terrible because there's no even. Hang on for one second. Okay, here's the tip of the day. Scott number five. 1921, 12 cent gray, King George V. Catalog's $9 mint and $140 used. By a wonderful coincidence, it catalogs $140 pounds in Stanley Gibbons. We had a copy with certificate in the last auction, and it brought $850. Mint or used? Used, used. Mint, oh. it's. It, mint, it's, it's, it's Terribly common. Oh, okay. But it is a fantastically difficult stamp used. And uh, uh, they fought to the death over it. <laughs> and I don't blame them because uh, how do we learn? We learn by experience. Forty years ago, I had a, a lovely old client in New York who collected used stamps of the British Empire. And he had a very, very lovely collection. He'd done it for many, many decades. And I sold him many stamps. In fact, at the end of the day, I, I ended up buying the whole collection from him privately for 
well into six figures. But it was a wonderful, wonderful thing put together over many years. And this fine old gentleman of mine kept complaining and complaining and complaining to me about this Kenya, uh, this Kenya 12 cent used. Now I knew nothing at all about the stamp per se. I knew what it was, but I and I knew the catalog listing, the catalog value, but I had no insight into the stamp. Yet this this guy was talked on forever about how he couldn't find it. So I looked at it, which he must have cataloged at the time for five dollars. I said to myself, "How hard can this be?" And he's such a nice guy. <laughs> I've always said the worst thing my clients can do is encourage me because I'll work harder. And I looked at him and I looked at this thing and I said, "Okay, I, I've heard all I want about this. By God, I'm going to go out and find it, along with other things." I looked and looked and looked a year, two, three, four, five years. Looked at all sorts of stuff, and I'll be a son of a god. I couldn't find a used copy of it. Then I bought the collection of the, 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 but I never forgot what he taught me about this. And it had to be 20, 25 years later. I finally located a couple from an old hoard in an ancient English dealer's stock that had been sold. And there he had a couple of them. And I thought, I can't believe this. Son of a gun. And at that time, I think Scott listed it for 10 or $15. And the first one I sold for $500. And I sold six, seven, eight of them right away to my all my big used collectors because they'd all been going crazy looking for it. Yeah. And I thought to myself, I don't understand. I don't know why it's scarcity. But there's no question it is. Now, it, now even at $140, is way too cheap. But that's neither here nor there. It's certainly somewhat more reflective, $9 versus $40, it tells us at least something about this. Yep. But there's the tip of the, there's the tip of the, 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 the iceberg. There's a stamp that I myself will pay several times catalog for, delighted to buy them because they're very, very, very difficult. And what you learn as a dealer in a given field, whether it's a U.S. dealer or a British colony dealer or a foreign dealer, if you work in one area over an extended period of time, you get an opportunity to overview the needs of many clients collecting the areas you deal in when a client is a major player and the material goes out, the check comes back over and over and over again and there's no discussion about anything except can you find me anything else? You suddenly, and you suddenly see a stamp like that on his list you say, okay, well, that's an accident. But four or five, six major collectors globally coming up with the same $50 stamp is no accident. But you have to learn from that because the catalog doesn't tell you that. Practical experience and decades of work teach you a lot about it. And I learn from my clients the same way my clients learn from me. I'm always studying the subject. I'm always buying more books on the subject of rare stamps because I want to know more and more about less and less until eventually I will know everything about nothing. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, George. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe you guys, you, I'm sure you'd like to talk about something else besides me and Zululand. I don't want to hog up, I don't want to hog your entire program. <laughs> Oh, we'll, we'll have you on every week for the next five years until you run out of stuff to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
you better have a lot of patience. I've been doing this a long time. <laughs> but listen, it's good fun, and it's nice to be able to give some guidance to the clients yeah. and help them get to where they want to go. Yeah, George, and, how can uh, yeah. how can our listeners reach you? Oh, <laughs> I suppose it'd be very nice if I told them where we were. <laughs> <laughs> well, ostensibly, you reach for your Scott catalog. You look for a plume of smoke coming out of the catalog. <laughs> if you open to that page, you will see George and his, his world-famous pipe <laughs> all over the catalog. <laughs> But those, for those folks who, who, who need help, <laughs> we'll make it easier. Colonial Stamp Company, we're located at 5757 Wilshire Boulevard, Penthouse Suite Number 8. Ooh, Penthouse. In Los Angeles, California. Our uh, <clears throat> zip code is 90036. And our fax machine, yeah, we still use a fax machine. Don't. 323. <laughs> Nine three nine 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 three zero. Do you have a pager number too? <laughs> no, <laughs> not a chance. <laughs> Otherwise, I'd never get anything done. <laughs> want lists? Want lists don't come across on a pager very well. Yeah. No. Well, why don't you give them an email the address? Everybody here company. is on computers. Sorry, the, the telephone number for the company is three two three nine three three nine four three five, and. Uh, We've got an email number, GWH225 at AOL.com, or we have info, I-N-F-O, at one word, Colonial Stamp Company, spelled out, dot com. Excellent. So, toys, toys are us. We've been here for a long time, and we're going to be here for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's, a, it's a great pleasure and an honor to be invited to participate in your lovely show. I think you're doing a wonderful thing for philately. Uh, you're pioneering a very, very interesting, very, very interesting uh, subject. And uh, I think the, the folks will get a wonderful array of insights into the, into the fun and pleasure of collecting stamps. Well, thank you for joining us, George. It's been a Thank pleasure. Thank you very much, and I apologize for hogging up the, the bomb. No, no worry about no. that. No that worries. my plan. <laughs> no worries. But, uh, I'm here for it, the fire to the tin can, the piece of string. Return to send up. Return to send up. We would like to thank the following for information used in this podcast. Wikipedia, The New York Times, Backstory with the American History Guys, Stuff You Should Know podcast, the Armstrong and Getty Radio Show. And George Hoshauer. And George Hoshauer. Our special guest. And thanks for hanging out with us, Steve. A lot of fun. Take care. <laughs> Till next time. And thank you for joining us for episode 99. This has been Cash, Scott, Tom, and I'm your host, On. You can reach us with your questions or comments at stampshowheretoday at gmail.com. Twitter at StampShowHT, or leave a message on our Google Voice number, 1949-873-4298. You can also check out our website at StampShowHereToday.com, or follow us on Facebook, or watch us on YouTube. And as always, keep collecting.
This episode of Stamp Show Here Today is brought to you by the Philatelic Book of Secrets, the book that teaches you about repurse, regums, color varieties, and much more. Get yours for $10 at www.philatelicsecrets.com today. Hi, this is Bob Prager with Gary Poser Incorporated. And we're in Long Island, New York, and New Jersey. And our philosophy at Gary Poser Incorporated is this. We would rather pay very fair prices on 9 out of 10 collections that we look at versus trying to just offer very low prices on 1 out of 2 and making a big score. That's never our philosophy. So if you want to be treated fairly, please give us a call anytime at 800-323-4279. And again, my name is Bob Prager. Return to send up. Return to send up.